Well, good morning, church. How's everybody doing today? I hope you're doing incredibly well. My name is Pastor Todd, and along with my wife, Jen, we are the lead pastors here at Eastside City Church. And I just want to thank all of you for coming and participating and being a part as we get to worship God together. And for those who are online, we want to say a big shout out to you as well, that we're glad that you've joined with us today. Well, I um, believe this, so that's why I was uh, preparing for this week and preparing for a new series. Even just felt the Lord drop into my heart, into my spirit, just to kind of share this before we begin, that God's calling each of you just to be ready to receive everything that God has for you. And the key to receiving is having an open heart, right? It's having an open uh, uh, spirit to say, God, whatever you want to give me, I'm open to hearing from you and receiving what you have for me. Who wants more from God? Who wants to receive more from God? Well, let's continue to open our hearts. Well, I want us to take a little bit of time here before I preach, and we are being kind of working at this together, and that is praying together, making prayer uh, more of a, a, uh, a part of our service and what we do. And the, and the Lord today put on my heart that we were to pray together. We were to pray over each other. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he'll do what? He will make straight your paths. So I'm going to ask if you'd stand up just for a moment. And we're going to pray to God right now. We're just going to take a few moments. We're going to take some time, first of all, just to pray that God would help us to trust him in all things. Who here has some areas in your life where you need to, you would like, you, you realize that you could work a little bit at trusting in him, that trusting in him is a little bit of something that maybe there's some things that are challenges for you. Well, let's just take a few minutes and just begin to ask God to help us as we trust in him. Father, today, Lord Jesus, we, we lift up your name. We lift up your Holy Spirit. We lift up who you are, Father God. And we, Lord Jesus, just as a church, we pray together, God, that you would help us to trust in you, to trust you, Father God, in every part of our lives. Lord, that we would put our trust in you, Lord, whether it's for financial things, Father God, whether it's for uh, a relationship uh, challenges, Father God, whether it's for, uh, Lord, just things that we experience in our lives, Lord, we ask you, God, that you would just help us to trust in you. And Lord, we pray that you will direct our paths, that we will trust you, God, that you have our paths lined up, Lord, that you desire to help us in every part of our life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And I'd just like you to take one more minute and just somebody right next to you, family member, whoever it is, whoever you're coming, and just pray that God will direct their paths. Just take a moment and just pray for them. Just let them know that you're praying for them, believing for them in, in, in this moment here, that God is going to help them and encourage them. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this. Mm-hmm. Jesus, we thank you. We lift up your name. Oh, Lord, we praise your name, Father. God, you are so good. Yes, God. Lord, we just pray, Father God, that you would just touch each person here. We lift up your name today in the mighty name of Jesus. Awesome, good job, good job together. Let's thank God today for his, that he watches over us and he encourages us. 
Amen. You may be seated. Now, some of you might be like, why would you, why are you doing that, Pastor Todd? Why would you have us pray together like that? Why would you encourage that? Um, I, I believe this, and the Lord has really been speaking to me much about just prayer and praying for people and how do we, how do we grow in our prayer life. And, and one of the things that we don't always see or understand is that we look at things from our North American perspective many times. And how is that? Well, that we, we believe that uh, prayer is just something we do on our own. That prayer is just uh, an activation that we do uh, without other people around us. But you have to understand that when uh, Jesus talked about praying and praying, did you, under, did you know that out of the 37 times that he mentions prayer in the New Testament, 34 of them were about people praying together. You see, in the early church, they prayed together. They prayed with each other. And so my prayer is that we will become a, a, a greater praying church. We have a lot of opportunities for prayer. And so we're going to continue to pray for each other as we come together each week. And I'm believing it's going to become more comfortable and less awkward as we move forward. And so um, don't worry about that. Don't worry that maybe sometimes I'm not quite sure what to do. God is with us. He loves it when we pray with him and pray for each other. Amen. All right. Well, we're starting a new series today called Making Disciples, Understanding the Great Commission. And when I say the words Great Commission, what comes to your mind? I mean, it's a a, a churchy kind of a word. It's a, a, a statement of, uh, of something. Well, for those who are maybe new to church, you could actually think, you could have thoughts of a, a money-making system that produces great profits, right? A great commission. If I, if I make commission in my, in my sales, that would be a, a thought for that. Or for those who grew up in Sunday school or attended church maybe at a distance, you might think it involves missions or missionaries. It's, it's the Great Commission is about sending people all around the world to help other people uh, in, in whatever parts of their lives. Now, for those who are maybe more involved in the church, you might believe that it has to do with evangelism, that we're all called to evangelize those around us. Uh, what is evangelism? It's just a fancy word that means sharing the hope and forgiveness of Jesus to those who do not know him. Now, it sounds good, but is that the full and complete meaning of the Great Commission? Well, we might have some ideas or some concepts of what the Great Commission is, but do we can understand this call from Jesus completely? When I first started college, I was not sure whether I wanted to be a science teacher or either a chemical or electrical engineer. It was kind of a of a thing. Now, I had been a good student over the course of my high school days, and, and, and I'd already taken a little bit of college. Um, and I, I, I was, I'd been a good student who never really struggled with a whole lot of my studies, but, but uh, I entered my first calculus course. Now, I don't know about you, all the math whizzes that are here today are probably like, well, that's easy, Pastor Todd. Math, no problem. Not a big deal. Now, who here is maybe math isn't your thing? Well, you don't have to raise your hand. Well, you can if you want to. <laughs> We're not trying to expose people in that area today. Well, all the, the mathophobes, uh, their hands started getting sweaty when I mentioned the word calculus. Well, everything started exceptionally well. 
as I receive, listen to this, the highest mark in the class on the first quiz, which immediately endeared me to my math professor. He thought he was with somebody incredibly good. For a full week, listen to this, for one full week, he believed he might have a math prodigy on his head. Think about Goodwill Hunting. You know, anybody see the movie Goodwill Hunting? However, everything came crashing down after the first exam when not only did I fail the test, but my mark was one of the lowest in the class. Now, what was it? What happened? What, what changed between the first quiz and the following exam? Did I lose my intelligence? Because maybe I really wasn't that smart at all. Or did I cheat on the quiz? And now I've been exposed on the exam. You know, there are questions. There are questions. Scandal was thought in the air. What was missing? What was the issue? Well, who here knows that context is everything? Well, what, what, were, what, how, what was about the quiz or that was different with the exam? Well, first of all, the quiz was open book with open notes. Whereas the exam was a traditional test with no notes. Now, the quiz was over three days where you could talk to tutors and classmates, whereas the exam was one hour with no assistance. And the quiz tested your ability to research information, whereas the exam tested your ability to recall or understand concepts. And the reason that I failed the test was because I didn't understand the concepts. I knew how to find the answers. I knew if I had enough time how to get the right answers, but I didn't understand exactly how it all worked together. When it comes to the Great Commission, I believe this, that most Christians know the basic idea of what Jesus was communicating. But in practice, do not understand the full measure of how his words apply to our lives. And let's look at what is the Great Commission. If you turn in your Bible with me, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. And here's what it says. Jesus came and told his disciples... I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, we have to understand When Jesus gave these words, when Jesus spoke these words, there was some very significance, not just about what he said, but when he said it. You see, these were the last words that Jesus spoke on earth before he ascended into heaven. Now, the words were a summary of what he expected his followers to do in his absence. It was a declaration of what he felt was most important for both his presence and future followers to do. Now, my first thoughts when I was pondering this were, well, maybe it would be like a, what a person that w- would share that was, you know, know knew they were, their time on the earth was short. They were about to, to die. and had this picture of like a father gr- gathering all of his family into the room, and he was like, all right, here's what I'm going to share with you. This is important for you to know. And so that was my first thought. But then I realized 
that, that that's not exactly what it was. It was more like a person or a parent who was heading out to do something, uh, work, uh, going to work, uh, going to run an errand, uh, uh, going for a night out, and telling the family at home what needed to be done before they returned. You remember that? For those of you growing up, when your mom and dad would be like, all right, we're going out for a little bit. When I come back, I expect the dishes to be done. Uh, I want the garbage to be taken out. And I need you to make sure that, uh, you know, you don't watch any television. Who remembers that kind of, those kind of things? I know my parents sometimes would give us these, these, these thoughts. You, now, now, here's the thing that I remember about that is um, they usually weren't suggestions. You know what I'm talking about? It was an expectation that, hey, we're going out. This is what you are going to be doing. And, and, and here's what I, I believe when we look at the words of Jesus. You have to remember, Jesus wasn't dead anymore. He'd, he'd, he'd already died and been in the, the tomb for three days, rose again, and now he was alive. And he was heading to go for a season, a time, we know this to be, with the Father. And we know that he's coming back, that he's, he's going to return for all of us, his children. Can I hear an amen for that? And so I look at this as Jesus was speaking to us and saying, hey, while I'm gone, while, while I'm away for a bit, here is what I'm expecting you, you, my people, my children, my followers, this is what I'm expecting that you're going to be doing while I'm away. And so when he gave these words, he had an expectation that we as his followers would, would follow them. We call it the Great Commission. Now, James Hudson Taylor says this, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered, but a command to be obeyed. And you know, I know that as I share this, as I, even as I use that word command and obey, that a lot of times we, it can kind of ruffle our feathers a bit because we're, we're, we're people that are like, I don't, I don't like people telling me what to do. Pastor Todd, you shouldn't be telling me what to do. You can kind of maybe suggest some things or maybe if you're just really nice about it, you can talk to us about some things, but don't you, don't you be telling me what to do. But we have to understand that, that there are things when it comes to the word of God that are not just good suggestions, they're part of what God has asked us to do. And if I can even use this word, it's, it's even hard for me to say he's commanded us to, to do. You see, the Great Commission was a continuation of the plan and purposes that God had, had for man when he created us in the book of Genesis. Listen to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, it says, then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. You see, we were designed, we could use the word commanded first, to be abundantly fruitful and multiply. We know that as, well, okay, yeah, have children. I want you to know, church, uh, in this last season, you guys are doing a great job. Young families, there are lots of children coming into this church. You are doing excellent at that. But here's what God's design was. His desire is that we'd have children that would 
look like us, talk like us, think like us, and represent us. God desired from the beginning that we would produce and populate the earth with people who would look like him. Why? Because we're made in his image, right? We are made in the image of God, which is right now something that's significant for us to even talk about because I believe there's a lot of attacks on people and their image. Who are they? Who do they how do they identify? What do they identify with? You have to remind, we have to remind ourselves that we are all made in the image of God. And because he made us in his image, he wanted people who would look like him, talk like him, and think like him to represent him. That's his plan. That's been his purpose from the very, very beginning. And second, not only were we designed to have children, but we were commanded to go into the world, to spread out, to go occupy it and influence it with his purposes, his kingdom. Why? Because Jesus loves all people. He wants to see all people know him. That's his deepest desire. However, it will only significantly happen through each and every one of us. You see, Matthew 5.14 says what? We're called to be what? The light of the world. What? what well, well, isn't Jesus the light of the world? Yes. He's the big light. We're the small light that reflects his light to people around us. So the Great Commission is part of our appointed mission for finding, I believe, this personal joy and fulfillment. And what is the, the Great Commission? Well, if I could break it down into three simple words, it's go make disciples. God's called us to go make disciples. And we want, I want to break down just for a minute those three words, go make disciples. What are the, the real meanings? Who here knows that when you read the word of God, that it's been translated to us, the New Testament that we're reading here was translated from Greek into English. Who here knows that sometimes there are different words that were used, different things that were used to describe things, and sometimes it is more challenging in the translation to come up with the right meanings for it. It doesn't take away from the authority or the impact or the purity of the word of God. It just means that we have to find the words that, that convey from Greek to our language. And so the first word, go. So go, in this sense, when, they said the, when he said the word go, it means to go away from or depart from, is what the Greek word actually means. It means to leave that which is comfortable or known or to lead oneself away. The context is that we that what we know are comfortable with for something unknown, and sometimes it might feel a little bit awkward. Who here knows that when you go to talk to people, sometimes that you don't know about things that you maybe are not sure about, it can feel a bit awkward and uncomfortable. Maybe it is even something nice that you want to do. Who here knows that sometimes for those of us like me, you may not know this, but I am actually quite an introvert. I'm, a, I'm an extreme introvert by nature. And you're like, well, why are you up there speaking and preaching? Because it's taken me a lot of years to deal with that. And so for me sometimes, and for others that are like me, to go across the room sometimes just to say hi to somebody can feel awkward. I get that. My heart's with those of you who are like me. But we see that this example of this going from somewhere known or comfortable to unknown was something that God did a lot in the Bible. God called Abraham or Abram to move his 
from his family home to a new place that was unknown. Eventually, that was Canaan. That was what became the promised land for Israel. He didn't know where he was going. He didn't know what it would be like over there. But he had to leave his comfort and go to occupy a new place. God called Peter in the Bible to go speak. Now listen to this, and eat with the Gentiles. We have to remember that was incredibly uncomfortable for him because they ate food that was, that was considered unclean. They ate food that was, had been sacrificed to idols. And here God was saying, go meet with them. And he had to give him a dream where he showed him actually eating all of this unclean food and it horrified him. Incredibly awkward. Yesterday, I want you to know I celebrated my 29th anniversary of moving to Canada. Yeah. I've actually lived in Canada longer than I've lived in the, the, where I grew up in the U.S. I'm, I'm pretty much Canadian now. Eh? <laughs> See, I moved from the comfort of my family to an unplugged place with, listen to this, I'm going to have some fun with this, all right? To an unknown place with unfamiliar people with strange customs and language. <laughs> now, people think, oh, yeah, the United States and Canada, they're all the same. It's like saying that British people and American people, no, there's a big difference when you go to these different countries. Yes, we speak English or American or Canadian and I learned a lot of things. I learned, here's some things that I learned. I learned that tennis shoes were now called runners. People got, had their runners. It wasn't tennis shoes. I'd be like, nice tennis shoes. What are you talking about? Oh, runners. Listen to this. I learned, I'm going to say the U.S. thing. You're going to laugh at this. I learned that decals were actually called decals. Oh, yeah, you're laughing. That's what happened to me the first time I said it too. I learned that a break, that break time at work was actually called going for coffee. You want to go for a coffee? I don't drink coffee. I don't like coffee. I know that's going to sound strange to you. It's not one of the things people will be like, do you want to go for coffee? I'm like, no. <laughs> but I did learn that poutine was awesome, that gravy, fries, and gooey cheese. Who likes poutine? Who thinks poutine is... It is a national treasure, I'm going to have to say that, could be so good. So we have to understand that, that there are things that we, that when we talk about, God says for us to go, to go, that he's calling us to actually go from what is our comfort level, sometimes into things that make us feel a little bit uncomfortable or awkward. But the word, then the word make, what does the word make mean? Well, the Greek word for make means to teach or ideas surrounding teaching, to become a pupil, to instruct, to teach, and to disciple. Now, the context here is to construct or form something, like forming a clay, to mold into the image of another. Who, who here has ever done a, or been a part of a school project where maybe you imprint your hand into clay, I remember we did that one time. I can't remember what grade I was in. It was like third grade or fourth grade. And we put our hands into the clay and, and we, we had it hardened. And it was a gift that we were to give our moms for Mother's Day. 
and there was always somebody in my classes, maybe you don't have this in your class, that would try to do something funny that instead of their hand, they'd put their face in it, or they would hide a finger to like, mom, I'm missing a finger. But the clay would always take the shape of what was imprinted upon it. See, we are called to shape or imprint the nature and character of Jesus under those God surrounds us with. You see, we're called to go and we're called to make. We're, we are called to go around and, and actually begin to have an imprint of who God is, who Jesus is on everybody that we meet. We're not to be conformed to this world, as it says in Romans 12, 2, but, but are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. You see, as the nature of Jesus is imprinted on our minds through the word of God, we are to release the same understanding and messaging to others by sharing God's word to them. Now, some of you are like, okay, that's it. I'm, I've come to church. This is exactly what I was afraid of. I knew it, that the church is into brainwashing people and, and, and having like indoctrinating people. Well, here's the truth, and I've said this probably before, that your brain and my brain need the washing of the word of God continually. We need to be washed by the word of God from the lies and the corruption that the enemy has put around us each and every day. I need my thoughts purified by God's truth. Secondly, either people will be indoctrinated by the word of God, or they will be indoctrinated by some other form of teaching or belief that is not truthful. But we don't share this forcefully. We don't go around, running around in parks, tackling people. Hey, you need to know what Jesus says about you, man. Now, some of the evangelists here are like, well, that doesn't sound like such a horrible idea. No, it's a horrible idea. You see, Jesus reaches us, God reaches us, through the kindness of invitation. We're called to invite people. We're called to talk with people. We're called to share with people. We're not called to harass people. We're called to love people. Can I hear an amen for that? That is how we go and make. And what do we make? We're called to make disciples. So what is a disciple? Simple definition, it's just, it's the follower of another. It is the student of another. It is the, somebody who wants to learn from another. A follower that adheres to the teachings of another. Not only does a disciple learn the ways of somebody else, but they imitate or copy the way they live. In the Message Bible, it says it like this in the Great Commission. It says, Jesus undeterred went right ahead and gave this charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you, first, you meet. Far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practices I have, of all I have commanded you. I will be with you. I will be with you as you do this day after day, right up to the end of the age. You see, in the Message Bible, the writer translates the word "make" to "train." You see that a disciple trains or disciplines himself to become like the person who trains them. It's more than just knowledge or understanding, but becoming an active imitator in character and conduct. 
The idea is for the change in behaviors and attitude to become ingrained, become an ingrained habit that does not require purpose thought, but becomes the normal response to life and situations. Like I said many years ago, we probably all remember the bracelets, the WWJD. What would Jesus do? And it was to remind us, well, what would Jesus do in this situation? How would Jesus be? You see, actually what God wants us to get as we begin to begin to learn more about Jesus and become more like Jesus and, and become a disciple of Jesus, he, what Jesus wants us to do is he wants us not what would Jesus do, but this is what Jesus does because I don't even have to think about it anymore because it's so much a part of who I am. I become changed and transformed by the word. As a baseball coach, in the early years of training, it's about how do you throw a ball properly? How do you run the bases? How do you hit a ball with the bat? How do you catch a ball? But after a while, you don't talk about those things anymore. Why? Because the kids know how to do it. The people know how to do it. It's instinctive. Now you work on more of the strategy and the techniques of the game. You see, it comes through training and imitating the life of another. Being a disciple in this case, we want to be a disciple of Jesus, comes through training and imitating his life, learning about who he is. Where do we learn about who Jesus is? The word of God. As we read the word of God, we get to understand more. This is what Jesus thought like. This is how Jesus responded to situations. This is what Jesus' idea and opinion was on this subject. Lord, help me to do that. You see, it comes through training and imitating the life of another, and in this case, Jesus. In junior high and high school, I had a friend, I, I think I shared a little bit about this, who thought he was a, the great basketball player, Larry Bird. He dribbled the ball like him. He shot the ball like him. He dressed like him, even had his haircut like him. And that was an ugly haircut, I got to tell you. It was not an attractive haircut. But here's what happened. In time, he began to play like him. We are not only called to help people know about Jesus, but we are called to help people become like Jesus. And here's what we have to understand, though, that knowing the teachings of the Jesus, knowing what the Bible says, does not equal following Jesus. Can I share something really crazy with you? Did you know that the devil knows, knows the Bible and the teaching of Jesus probably better than any of us here. He can quote scripture into situations. He did it to Jesus. But the issue is he does not follow the teachings. He does not live the teachings because he's, he's, he's not where he should be. We know that. See, Jesus desires that not only you know him, but that you become like him. John 10, 27, my sheep, that's us, we're called sheep, listen to my voice. I know them and they what follow me. You see, the term Christian, which means Christ follower, was first used by the Romans to describe people who love Jesus. Now, we have to understand that the word Christian, we, hey, are you a Christian? Uh, in Rome, that was a derogatory term. 
That was a, 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 a term of, it wasn't an endearing term at all, but it was a testimony that there was something visible in the people's lives that other people could see. They saw that there was something different about them, and it reminded them of who Jesus said that he was and who he revealed himself to be. When they looked at the Christians, they observed the character, nature, and teachings of Jesus being demonstrated. So what is the Great Commission? Go make disciples. We're going to talk about that more and more. Go make disciples. But here's the question. Are you a disciple? Are you today a disciple? Have you submitted your life to Jesus? Not do you just know him? Not do you know about him? Not do you claim great things about him? But are you submitted to him? Can people see Jesus in you? Because in order to make disciples, we first must become disciples. And here's the current challenge that I See, not just in our church, I see in the, in the church of North America especially, is, is too many people see Jesus as their Savior, but not as their, the Lord and leader of their life. I love this. They view him as the great eraser. Mr. Eraser, I love that. Who, has, who likes Mr. You clean everything? It removes all the marks, the stains. It's an awesome thing. See, they view him as the great eraser. The, he removes guilt, the shame, the poor decisions, all the sins so I can be free. But so many times I have been around people that say, but let me continue to still do what I want to do. And so church... And their life becomes this roller coaster ride of they come in and they're like, oh man, I've had such a rough week. This happened, this happened, that happened. And God, would you forgive me? And of course, God does forgive us. God always forgives us. He loves us. He shed his blood so that we can walk in his forgiveness. But he didn't just forgive us so that we could go back to doing what we wanted to do. But he said, Here, here's the next step in your journey. The next step is to come follow me. Make me the Lord. Make me the leader. Make me the one that you follow. Take on my my nature, my character. <laughs> Salvation is not only about accepting Jesus, but about embracing the life and leadership of Jesus. You see, if we fail to embrace the leadership of Jesus, our growth becomes stunted, producing weakness and anemia in our life. And here's the problem with stunted growth and weakness. It creates two problems. First of all, it gets passed on to the next generation. You see, you cannot become, you cannot give something to other people that you don't already have yourself. You cannot pass on the fullness of God if you haven't encountered the fullness of God yourself. You see, we can only give what we have. And the second thing, and this is also so sad, is it creates a powerless church. Why don't we see more miracles? Why don't we see more healings? More of God, because we have not been willing to fully surrender to the leadership of Jesus. Power comes from surrender in the kingdom of God. We need more people to go from being believers in Jesus to becoming followers of Jesus. 
or disciples. Do you guys still love me today? Do you still love me as I share? I'm setting a stage here. It's, it's going to get, it, well, it's, this is what it is. It's God is good. It's his truth. It's his word. So how do we become a disciple? This is where I'm going to close here today. I just want to give you a few things. First of all, you got to decide. Make the decision right now. You can do it today to submit yourself to the teachings and leadings of Jesus fully. It's a decision that we make. We need to know the Bible, love the Bible, follow the Bible. Make the Bible your handbook of life. You want to know more about Jesus, learn more about Jesus. Become more like Jesus. Get the word of God in you, but don't only read it. We don't want to just be hearers of the word, but we're called to be doers of the word as well as we we see in James 122. But do not listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Listen to this. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. So we decide, then we have to embrace change. Allow Jesus through the working of his Holy Spirit to transform you. I put this word down. All my 80s and 90s friends are going to love this. Don't be a poser. Well, what's a poser? A person who gives a good performance, but is not genuinely that person or what they are presenting. Be honest with God and allow him to work in your life. See, God wants to get a hold of our hearts in a deeper way. Jesus wants to change your heart, the way you think, the way you believe. Because those things, if he gets a hold of our heart, it will change our attitudes and our actions. That we, so that we can produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, these become an outward manifestation of inward transformation. Here's my third thing. First, we decide. Then we embrace change. Second, we find. We find people that can help us grow. Find people that will help us become more like Jesus. Find those who have a hunger for God and spend time rubbing rubbing shoulders with them. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. I want to encourage you. Find hungry people. Get around hungry people. Search for hungry people. Because we grow best in community with each other. We need people to help us grow, praying together, serving together, sharing life together with those who are pursuing Jesus together. Maybe for some of you, it's finding your person, a leader, a pastor, a godly friend to challenge you and encourage you in growth. There's not just one way that this happens. Can I just say this? It's not just, there, there, here's this, the only way. You got to follow it this to the team. No, God uses many different people and situations. Figure out what works for you. Some of you are going to do better in big groups. Others of you need one-on-one, but you still need other people. I'm just telling you. And here's the last thing then we share. Share what we've learned with others. Share what God has done in our life with others. Share the goodness of God with others. God is doing this in my life. I want you to know because I love you that God is with you. As Jesus impacts us, we will impact others as we share. 
You see, I believe today that God is calling, calling for us to embrace a deeper relationship with him. I hear the call of the Lord, even as I've been praying. This, this actually, this series has been on my mind for months and months and months and months because I believe God is calling us to a higher place with him. He's calling us to say, Father, I want, or Jesus, I want and I'm willing to be your disciple. But for some of us, we may need to surrender some things. Surrender our will and our way to something that is better. He's calling us to grow more like him, to be like him. Why? Because there's a future generation that's dependent upon it. You see, there's people that are coming into this house that need people that can show them how to live like Jesus, that can teach them how to live like Jesus, that can walk with them and show them how to live like Jesus. There are kids that God is bringing into our lives, our children that need to know how to be like Jesus. They're going to learn it from those who are willing to say, I want more of Jesus. Give me Jesus. So I come back to the question I asked 10 minutes ago, 15 minutes ago. Are you a disciple? Not just are you a believer, but are you a disciple? With heads bowed and eyes closed here in this moment. Who today would say, I I feel like God is, is speaking to me. That I, I, if, I, if I realize in places I, I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling at times, I'm still maybe wrestling with this whole idea of surrender, but God's calling me to be that disciple. If God is speaking to you today, would you just raise your hand right where you're at? This isn't easy, I know. God, you're calling me to be not just a a believer, but a follower. Maybe you just want more of Jesus today. Maybe you just want more of, of God today. Would you just respond to him today? Would you just pray to him today? Would you just ask him to help you understand this in your own ways? I say this. It's a journey, folks. I have this quote that I... Ron Lu says, the Great Commission is the great adventure of Christianity. Lord, I pray today that you would bring us to that place of saying, Lord, we want to go on this greater adventure with you. I wish I could promise all of you today that it's just easy and not too difficult. That that you won't be challenged to move from that which is comfortable to those places at times that are uncomfortable. 
I know even as I prepared for this message, it was uncomfortable for me. I like just being the good guy, the nice guy, the easy kumbaya guy. But I hear God is calling us as a church, as a people into deeper places with him. And I'm, I'm telling you, even though that it can feel a bit awkward and a bit uncomfortable, but there's life there. There's, I, I can't explain it. There's just greater life. There's more freedom there. There's, there's just God doing greater things there. And for each one of you, it's going to be, your, your steps are going to be different. But will you say, God, I want to be a disciple. I want to be a disciple for you. Father, we pray today, Lord, that you would lead us into this, this place in you. Lord, you'd call us to a higher place in you. Lord, you'd move on us in a greater measure through you. Lord, would you help us to step into what you have for us today? Lord, we ask you, Lord Jesus. And, and for some of you today, I feel like God's even saying, just as we close, that for you, maybe making that step is just even to, to come forward. I, I'm even like, man, God, I just, uh, why do we have to do these things? But God's saying, would you just come forward? Would you come forward today and just say, God, this is what I want for my life. So God's speaking to you. I'm just asking that you would just come up here. I just want to pray because I believe God is doing something significant here. And I, I just, church, I just want all of God. That's all I want. I just want more of God for myself, for you, for this place, for this city. God's speaking to you. Just come and join those who are here. We're just going to pray. We're just going to pray. We're going to sing in a bit. We'll be able to go and do other things, but God's dealing with stuff. Does anybody want, else want to come up here and join here today? I'm not, I'm just asking because I feel like God is doing something. Just trying to listen to the Holy Spirit today. God, you are just doing something here. Taking us to greater places, God. Lord, doing greater things. Jesus, I just praise you today. Lord, I just pray, Father God, that you would Lord, have your way in us in ways that Lord, maybe we haven't released to you before. 
Lord, I pray that we would just continue to grow in our ability to surrender. I pray, I thank you, Lord, for those who are taking a step, some that are here, some that are, God, you're speaking to them right where they're at. It's okay, Holy Spirit. You can do things however you want. But God, I pray that you would just continue to bring us to that place, Lord, where we, Lord God, grow and become disciples of you in a greater measure. Lord, that we don't live just a a, a form of Christianity where we don't just, God, just allow ourselves to stay, Father God, at the beginning places, but we continue to press into you more and more and more each and every day. And God, you just continue to pour out your grace upon us in more powerful ways. We just say, thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. God, you are so good today. We just thank you. Praise the Lord today. Let's thank God for his presence, for his spirit.